Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. The title of my message this morning is Run Your Race and Stay in Your Lane. Now, if you're a note taker and you go back to the last thing I preached, I also preached on running. I think subconsciously I'm trying to remind myself it's time to go back and work out and run. But beyond that, oh, great picture, guys. Let's go. Run your race and stay. Hey, real quick, can we just give it up for our amazing media team, lights team, screens team, unsung heroes of church? Listen, the only time people notice these, these guys is when something doesn't work. Right, all that, it's working perfectly, and everybody's like, yeah, this is seamless, look at this great service, and then something goes wrong, and so, but it's very rare that they notice that because you guys are phenomenal, so thank you. Chewy and Michael and the whole team, you guys are great. All right, run the race and stay in your lane. 2 Timothy 4, 7. And I'll tell you right now, this is, this is how I wanna cross the finish line. I wanna be able to say this with all integrity in my heart. And I think every Christian, this is our goal. This is what we wanna say as we get to the end. And, and why do I say at the end? Because Paul is actually writing this to his protege, Timothy, his spiritual son, Timothy. He loves him deeply. He's put Timothy over a very dysfunctional church atmosphere. And uh, that's why even in Timothy, you, we get this scripture where he's talking about women preachers and people get get uh, bound up and don't take the whole counsel of the Bible and just focus on that one verse. But he was talking about a specific thing in a specific region for a specific thing because in the culture that Timothy was leading, women were idolized. They were considered prophetesses. They had temples with um, prostitutes that were worshiped. And so there's a lot of dysfunction. And so Paul was bringing a correction to the current situation in that church. But if you take the whole counsel of the Bible, you have Deborah who led all of Israel as a judge, you have the, where the Bible says there's no male nor female. Listen, uh, we believe in men being a spiritual head of their household. We believe that that is ordained by God. But, but when we get one of our phenomenal women up here, every healthy home has the voice of a mama and a yeah. papa. Yeah. That's how God intended it. And so we get these phenomenal ladies of the house, our lionesses of the house, sharing the heart, sharing the love of God. It's biblical and it's important. So just so you guys know on that, but so this is the 2 Timothy 4, 7. And Paul's knowing he's in prison. He's knowing it's coming towards the end of his call of what God asked him to do. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I love that. Fought a good fight. Listen, Christian, being a Christian does not mean rainbows and unicorns in your backyard every night, okay? Every morning when you wake up. It doesn't mean you're not promised a perfect life. You're promised an epic life. You're promised a purposeful life. But if you think that you're not gonna have conflict, in fact, that's one promise Jesus made. He said, listen, you step into this call and you have now took a stand against the darkness, principalities, demonic realm of this world, you've took a stand against the spirit of the world, you're gonna come up against some opposition. But thanks be to God, Jesus has already overcome the world, the Bible says. So because he's overcome and he's in us, we overcome. 
But you can't be an overcomer without something you got to overcome. You can't get a breakthrough without breaking something, right? People love the words like, oh, I just I want breakthrough. Well, that means something's got to break. And you might very well be the battering ram in your own life to break it. I fought a good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. Today, I want to talk about running this race in the way God intended it. I don't know if anybody did track growing up. I did some track and field. My wife was a very good runner. Her whole family is like Olympic caliber runners. Her siblings have records. Her sister has the world record for masters in a four by 100. Uh, They're phenomenal athletes, which quietly in the back of my head, it wasn't the reason, but I'm like, you know, I like sports and I wanna have some boys and I'm thinking that gene pool is gonna be awesome. So (laughs) it wasn't a negative in my decision-making. Uh, but I ran a race. And they'll tell you in track that one thing that's important is stay in your lane. If you find yourself veering in somebody else's lane, you might very well get a spike in the back of your ankle. You might get tripped up. Even if you're ahead, that's a dangerous thing. You gotta stay in the lane that you're marked to run in. And as Christians, we have a tendency, and it goes all the way back, goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. We have a tendency to start to not pay so much attention to what God has asked us to run, to ask the race he's asked us to run, to ask the lane he's asked us to be in, and we begin to look around to the left and the right and try to see what other Christians are doing, what other Christians are receiving. And we begin to, if we're not careful and we don't guard our heart, we can begin to do what the Bible calls covet, envy, Compare. And, and it might seem like, oh, what, you know, it's not a big deal, but actually it's incredibly toxic to what God has intended you to do. Romans talks about, um, Paul is writing to the Romans and he's saying, hey, the law is important because it shows me what, what I should and shouldn't do. Check this out, Romans 7, 7. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. Pay attention to that. It's the law that shows me my sin. It's actually God's word. It's actually reading the Ten Commandments that then gives the Holy Spirit ammunition to be what he wanted to be in your life, which is a counselor. If anybody's ever gone to counseling, one of the things that they'll do is they try to get you to open up and start talking. So not so much so they can find the holes in it, but so they can let you hear yourself say things. And then bring that back up. And when you hear, have you ever had somebody bring up something you said? And then when they bring it up, you're like, what in the heck? was I I said that? You know, you kind of like deny it first. I never say that. And they're like, no, you said that. But out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's important to process with good people as a Christian. It's important. God didn't pick. He doesn't want you to be silent. It's why community and having friendships and having friendships that aren't pulling you towards your pain, but pulling you towards your promise. People that aren't gonna just go, oh, you're so right. You should totally feel like that. Come on, let's have a victim party together. Me, you, we'll we'll get the ice cream out. We'll get the wine. We don't even need cheese. Let's just have lots of whining. So you you wanna have friends that have compassion and empathy, 
but also at the end of the day say, but hey, come on, I know you, and I know that you know that I know you. And you know I know that you know that I know you. <laughs> you want those friends? Nobody makes believe my own blood. Nobody. <laughs> Coveting. I want to actually hit this hard. And can I tell you as a pastor, you don't get grace to live the gospel. You might have a grace to preach the gospel, but you don't have a grace to live it. I have to do everything that a normal Christian has to do. And I have to confront myself in my own flesh at times. And I don't know if anyone knows this, but I have a slightly competitive side to me. I like to win. Even if I'm not competing, if I'm a part of that team, I like to win. When I got the text that we won the Riders' Cup, I was at a, a birthday party and out loud I went, yes! I didn't even golf, but I felt the win because I'm part of North Region. I like to win. And that's not necessarily wrong. Being competitive in its right place can motivate you, spur you on to do the best you can do. But one risk you can have very easily is if you get knocked down or you, or you slip up, you can start slipping into comparison. And I had to, I've had to walk this out over the last couple of weeks. There's been some heart issues in my heart where I've, I've been working through some comparison, didn't even realize it had crept in. And thank goodness for the Bible, because the Bible will point that out. In fact, gentlemen, could you go to Psalm 73? I'm gonna start with the first couple verses and then jump down to verse 21. But I wanna, David writes beautifully about what happened to him when he slipped into comparison. I have to believe David was a competitive dude. I mean, homeboy walked up and a whole army was scared of Goliath. And he looked around and said, I got this. You know, I mean, the homeboy, like, he was the first on the battlefield. You, you, don't, you can't really be like that without a little bit of a, like, go-getter attitude. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. He was a competitive dude. And it says this, truly, it, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. I love David, his honesty. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. See that? He was looking at his life and comparing people, you know, proud or not. He just was looking at other people, seeing what they had, seeing what was on them. And it says that that caused him to lose his footing. Now, the next verses, he just goes on and on about, I compared myself to this. I looked at this. I saw this. And I got it. And he gets down to verse 21. Guys, go back to verse 21. Then I realized my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. We'll stop there. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Let's pray. God, as we unpackage this right now, Convict us in your beautiful, loving way where we need conviction. God, if we are struggling with comparison and envy and coveting, God, help up root that out of our life. We don't want to carry that. We don't want to be in that. That was not how you intended us to live. And as we'll see, it causes so many breakdowns in your plan for our life. So do your work, Holy Spirit. We invite you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so to covet is to feel inordinate desire for what belongs to another. It can be things, it can be position, platform, gifts, talents, 
There's so many areas where as Christians, if we get out of our lane and the race God's called us to run and what he's assigned us to do, we'll begin to look to left and right. Anybody drive motorcycles in the room? Any motorcycle riders? I rode motorcycles for a couple years. Bicycles. I can't. I can't at the 830, Scott. I'm just gonna say, pedestrians might not like cars, and cars not like, might, might not like pedestrians, but nobody likes cyclists except for cyclists. <laughs> just kidding if you're a cyclist. I did a season of that too. But uh, I rode motorcycles for a couple years. I can't go into the whole story, but I decided to stop riding motorcycles as I was about seven feet in the air, flying through the air, because my motorcycle hit a pothole and, my, and I flipped. And at that moment, thank goodness I had jeans on, a leather jacket, and a helmet, in the air, I said, you know, I don't think motorcycle riding's for me. <laughs> and then I hit the ground, and I, it, was, it was solidified. At that moment, when I hit the ground, <laughs> I knew I made a great choice. <laughs> but when I went to motorcycle training, I'm alive. Hey, spoiler, I made it, okay? But when I went to motorcycle training, went to get my license, and I did the class, the, the number one thing they kept saying over and over and over, when you're in a hairy situation, when you gotta make a sharp turn, do not look at what you're trying to avoid. Absolutely, do not look. If, you, if you're trying to make a tight turn, don't look at the barrier you could hit. You've got to put your entire focus on where you're trying to get to. That's good. True with motorcycles, true with your walk with Jesus. If you're always looking around, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. So many Christians are like that. It's always the don't party, like you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And, and, and what it does is it causes religious spirit to rise up in you. It causes a feeling of lack because you're always focused on what you can't do, what you can't do. But what if as a Christian you said, what, what am I going for? Am I going for a life with purity and power and joy and self-control and growth and prosperity of the gospel? Look at where you're going. So how do we get into comparison? I want to first stop, point number one, the cause. Listen, from the day man fell, so man falls, Genesis 3, okay? Next chapter, Genesis 4, we come to Cain and Abel. And it was actually the first original thing that opened the door that we read of was Cain started comparing himself to his brother Abel. Listen, God doesn't put don't covet in the top 10. No, I had two hands. Top 10 because he just needed, he had nine really good ones and he's like, you know, I was just don't covet any of that. No, no, no. The top 10 are the top 10 for a reason because it opens a door that you don't want to go through. And so, because, and how did this happen? Because original intent for mankind was we were walking in relationship with our heavenly father, perfect relationship. It says that Adam would walk in the day, in the evening, you know, before sunset, the beautifulest time of the day, he would walk with the Lord daily. He was connected to his heavenly father, how it was intended. But when that relationship, sin came into the world, sin came into mankind, and we were severed until Jesus, we got severed from that relationship. That broke original intent. And so what was able to creep in was insecurity because we used to walk with our heavenly father and he would tell you, you know, I, this is who you are. That's why dads are important. Dads help instill identity. Dad figures can help instill identity. That's why men in the house, if, if you're not serving somewhere, I wanna throw it out to you. Think about serving in kids' church because your touch, your inspiration, you're roughhousing with them and then saying, you're awesome. It actually sticks to the soul. That's 
sticks to the soul. So we got severed in that relationship. Let's go to uh, Genesis 4, 6. Don't take my word for it. Let's actually go to the Bible. So set this story up. Cain and Abel both bring sacrifices to God. Okay, they both bring an offering to God. The whole concept of giving to God, offerings, tithes, goes way beyond Levitical law. Okay, this is like, starts in Genesis 4. That was, a, that was a thing that people knew we had to do. And so they bring an offering, and Abel brings the firstborn lamb, you know, brings, brings his best to the altar. And it says that God was like, I accept this, thank you. I see your heart. But it says that Cain brought kind of the, you know, the peaches that fell off the tree when you weren't looking or some wind came in, a couple wormholes in them. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I'd eat this. He brought just kind of what was left over. And it says that God rejected Cain's offering, accepted Abel. And then God comes to him with, with a loving warning. He says, I see what's starting to happen in you. You're not looking at what should you change. He didn't go, okay, God, maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe I gotta recalibrate myself. Instead, he looks at Abel. And God catches it. He sees it. He says, this is not what you do. And so he comes to him right here in verse, or in verse six says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why, are you, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, Focus on you, Cain. Focus on what I've asked you to do. If you do well, will you not be accepted? I'll, I'll, I'll accept you. I just need you to fix this thing in your heart that you think I'm worth the leftovers when I really, our relationship, I want the best of you because I give you the best of me. If you do well, or, uh, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, he warns him, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it. He's trying right here, even though the relationship's been severed, even though sin's crept in, God is trying to say, you can rule over this, but you gotta look at your heart. Stop looking at your brother. Stop comparing yourself to your brother. I need you and me right here. Look here, look here. Look at me, look at me, look at me. He's trying to get him to focus, but Cain has already turned his eyes towards his brother. Already began to be in comparison. The next verse says he took his brother out into a field and he murders his own brother. Coveting has, it starts small, but it causes a lot of pain and dysfunction in the Christian's life. Instead of doing the work on ourselves, it's easier to be a victim and blame others. Cain blamed Abel, and sin got an open door in his life. Okay? This is why uh, Galatians 6, 4, and 5 says this. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you don't need to compare yourselves to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Come on. What causes this is feeling inadequate. Is feeling insecure. Feeling like we're not doing good enough. And we have two paths we can take at that point. Just like God talked with Cain. He said, look at me. It's just me and you. It's not about him. You know what to do. You know what I've asked of you. I want you to do that. Don't look at your brother. But it is a draw in our insecurity, in our separation from our heavenly father. It is easier, inherently easier, to be a victim. It's always easier to say, well, I wasn't given the same opportunity. They had perfect parents that paid for their college. Look at me. I went to junior college and worked my way through and didn't even buy books. You know, we can always find a reason in comparison. 
And often we're even arguing for something that maybe God doesn't even want us to do. We're comparing ourselves to a path and God's like, I didn't even call you to run that race. I didn't even call you to go that way. But for some reason, you've gotten so far off, not only are you comparing what they had and you didn't, you're also comparing them going somewhere where I never called you to go. And we get so far off course. That's why David said, I almost lost my footing. He's trying to imply, I almost lost everything because I began to look at other people and say, why are they blessed? Why do they have what I want? Why don't they stutter? Why, why did their first marriage work? We get on this path of comparison and it causes so much dysfunction in us. King Saul, I'll leave it on this and then we'll go to the next point. King Saul lost his kingdom because of this very thing. If you read your Bible, King Saul, he was, and you know what's funny? Is he was like, basically the Bible says he was like really handsome and everyone's like, dude, that's the guy. Like he had the look, he had the vibe, he was taller than everyone. He, and he had some really good moments at the beginning. He, he, he kicked some butt at the beginning. He had the people's respect, but something was broken in him. And you see that because when David kills a giant, and David loves Saul. In fact, David said Saul was like a spiritual father to him. David would have died for Saul. His son was his best friend. David had no, no need to compete with Saul. But because David had an anointing, because David had been spoken by a prophet, because David, it, what triggered Saul was there were a bunch of the ladies and this new hit song came out on the radio. It was a top 10 chart. It was Saul's killed his thousands, David killed his 10,000s. Instead of Saul saying, you know what? That kid, I like him. He's for me. And if he's kicking giant's butts, I mean, I don't got to kick giant's butts. And hey, I, I've got thousands, not bad. What's my lane, God? I'm just going to do me. And let this guy do him and our kingdom will flourish. But no, he couldn't handle that. He got out of his lane and compared. And it became murderous. And I'm not saying if you struggle with comparing yourself to other people's that you're going to go, you know, start writing names on a list and <laughs> scratch them out with lipstick. You know, like I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to go that far. But in your heart, Jesus says in your heart, if you hate your brother and sister. You've already committed murder in your heart. So we don't want to be in that. So that's the cause. We get insecure. We forget what God has asked us to do. We stop focusing on us and him and what he's called to do. Look, you're meant to be in community to inspire you, but you're not meant to be in community to compare. I'm thankful that I have the, one of the greatest pastors on earth and Pastor Jurgen. He is one of the most greatest pastors on earth. And listen, he is also one of the greatest preachers on earth. And if I ever slip into like, man, I'm gonna try to be as funny as Pastor Jurgen, that is not gonna work for me. He can run circles around funny around me all day. All day, all night. I mean, he, he, blind and like, I don't know, jet lagged. He's gonna pff, crush me on funny. But that's not my lane. That's not my lane. I, I, I can be funny in my own way, but I'm not, I can't compare. I can't try to slip into, I've got to be that person. I've got to say, God, who'd you make me to be? Okay, so let's talk about the symptoms of comparison. Real quick. We already read Psalms. So from that Psalms we read, what did, God, what did David say? He lost his footing. He became bitter. He said it tore him up inside. No peace. 
Christian, can I challenge you? If you struggle with anxiety, maybe it's time to look under the hood because you've been like, why do I have anxiety? You know, why, 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 why? And maybe God's trying to say, because you're not looking at my race for you, you're looking at other people. And then you compare yourself and you've lost your footing. You've lost your foundation. I'm telling you, so I'm convinced this after many years of being a pastor. Anxiety and comparison, they run pretty close to each other. So if you're struggling with anxiety today, let the Holy Spirit be the counselor. He's not bringing it up to shame you. He's bringing it up to free you. That's his goal. So it tears you up on the inside. It causes you to act foolishly, David says. It causes you to be ignorant. It causes you to act like a senseless animal. Can I tell you something? If you're struggling with, you know, I want to do good, but my flesh, my flesh keeps taking over. I keep going to that thing. I keep looking at that thing. I keep taking that thing. Keep smoking that thing. Maybe, maybe do a deep dive. Because what does a senseless animal do? Animals, when they're represented by all animals, represent they don't have rational sense. They just, they're led by their stomach, right? Anyone have a dog? Dogs are led by their stomach. That's how, that is their love language. You either pet their stomach or you fill their stomach. But either way, their stomach controls everything. And, I've, and Christians, you'll find that when you've begun the comparison game and you've lost your identity, you're gonna see that the flesh seems to have a lot stronger sense on you. Why? Because you don't know your race. And so it's harder for you to say, well, I don't need that because I've got a goal I'm going towards. I've got a destination I wanna be at. When you have no destination, you're like, well, why not? Why not? I'm bored anyways. Life doesn't make sense anyways. God wants to give you your race. Now, check this out. James, I love James, man. If you're like struggling, yes, please. Uh, if you're struggling and you need a, like a kick in the butt, James is the guy. James is like, you know, you need, you need like some, some like refreshing, some love and grace. You go to like Galatians, Ephesians. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. James is like, yo, you're double-minded. You, you, got, you, you say you're a Christian, but I don't see no fruit. I mean, he just goes for it. He's, he's the puncher, okay? But he says this in, in James 3, 5, or 3, 15, 16. For jealousy and selfishness, jealousy, envy, covet, are not, God's, are, are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, check this out, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Come on, so part of the opening the door to comparison, you're gonna start living earthly. You're gonna start to become unspiritual. You, Christian, if you've been a Christian long enough, you'll go through seasons where, you know, you used to read your Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, ah! You know, every page, you're like, I can't believe it. I, and you're like, you get done with your, your daily read and you're like, I, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna do another day. <laughs> but then there are other seasons where you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to read today. Last three times, I've just, I forgot what I read. Anyone done that? You got through a whole two chapters and you get done, you're like, I do not remember a thing I just read. <laughs> Am I the only Christian? Thank you. Okay, come on, a few honest Christians in the house. Can I tell you that unspiritual, your spiritual life will begin to diminish when you start struggling with that covet, that jealousy, that comparison. Demonic. I know that's scary, but, but, but you can actually begin to open doors. You'll come out of agreement with what God has said you are and you'll start to let comparison tell you what 
someone else says you are, and it'll cause disorder. And finally, it can cause evil. So, got through the tough part. Now let's talk about the cure. Now let's talk about the cure. James comes right up with it here, right here in 3.17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, is full of mercy and fruit and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. See, it's wisdom. It's wisdom to come back to to ground zero. It's wisdom to read Proverbs. In fact, I'll say this. If you are struggling with reading your Bible, go read Proverbs and read until God gives you wisdom. Read until he points something out to you, shows you something. Oh, that's me right there. And then allow Holy Spirit to open you up. Say, God, take this out of me. Take this out of me. This isn't, this isn't my race. I picked this up from comparing. Going back to Genesis 4-7, when God warns Cain was gonna happen, he says, you gotta take ownership. Sin weight, but you take ownership. Stand above it. Just, just un- pr- pronounce. Once you recognize, man, I'm in comparison, I stopped looking at my lane. I stopped looking, asking God what he had for me and I started looking what he had for that person and this person and, and it got me out of my lane. There's so much power in just admitting that. Man, I've lost my footing. I wanna go back right here to um, Psalms 73, verse 23. So I read about how David had this revelation. Man, I've become bitter in my heart because I compared myself. But look at how he breaks it. Psalm 73, 23. Yet... I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Keep going, guys. One more, I think. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. One more. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. The cure is to remember whose you are. And that in your race, he's with you. If you get out of your lane, he can't be with you because that's not where his destiny is for you. But when you're in your lane, he's with you. And you might feel beat up, broken down. You've been comparing yourself. Because here's the other thing that comes with comparison. You know where the demonic comes in? You'll begin to get religious and whip yourself. You suck. You're not good enough. Man, why are you like this? You got out of your lane. I wanna show a video real quick as we close the service. As I was reading that bottom of, of uh, Psalms uh, 73, where it says, but he's with me and he holds my right hand. I was reminded of this. This is a 30 year old video from the Olympics. I'm gonna play it real quick and then I'm gonna close down the service. But I want you guys to watch this because I want you to understand what it looks like, regardless of how hard it gets, regardless of what happens, regardless of where you're at today, what it looks like when you run in your lane, even if you take some hits, even if you're going down south.
When troubles come and my heart burdened be, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. Derek Redmond, sorry for the tears. Derek Redmond ran the slowest 400 meter in the history of the Olympics. No one has run it slower. But that crowd was louder and more inspired than any Olympic crowd has ever been. And for 30 years, I promise you, I'm not the only preacher that's used this video. Thousands of preachers have used this video. If you, look, if you Google top Olympic moments, so many people have run fast races, have won a race, have, have competed against someone else, and for a moment, for one minute, woo, good job, and then they're on, it's past the next thing. But one man choosing to run his race, not the fastest, he didn't win against the other people, Choosing to run his ways, invoke the love of the Father. I love that, the dad just pushing security guards out of the way. You are not stopping me. You will not stop me. My son is on the track and he's going in his race. And if he wants to finish, I will carry him across that finish line. Christian, break the yoke of comparison. Your race, even if it looks slower, even if you were to compare yourself to others, you could say, I'm not winning in that race. There's eternal impact in you running your race. They interviewed Derek and they said, what were you doing, man? Because I, I don't know if you've ever blown a hamstring. I actually have running track. It is excruciating. 
I was just down on the ground. I, I mean, people had a, I would have took the stretcher. And he said when he looked up, he was favored to win that race. He spent his whole life for this one, one minute race. And he saw that stretcher coming out. And he said that, and he looked over and he said, no, they're already finished. He said, no, I'm not getting taken out on a stretcher. And I'm telling you, he could have went out on a stretcher. Instead, he went out with a crowd of 65,000 people cheering and his father crossing him through the finish line. Comparison. It's not the race God calls you to run. Christian, your purpose and your impact is found in staying in your lane and knowing that no matter what circumstance you face, stop comparing and being a victim, but saying, I will keep running no matter what is going on because I know my father is in that crowd and when I need him, he will knock down every security guard. He will shoo away every enemy. He will get in the lane with me and he will make sure I get across the line. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Let's be a holy moment. If you're in the house and you're struggling as a Christian, you've been struggling with comparison. You've got out of your lane. Maybe you're not even so much comparing yourself to people in this room. Maybe you're comparing yourself to your parents. Well, they were like this, so I won't be like this. Maybe you're comparing yourself to whatever it is. Look, we do life together, but we run the race God marked out for us. So I wanna pray and break off comparison. Be like David, but I'm yours. And you hold my right hand. Did you notice the dad was holding his son's right hand the whole time? That's what reminded me of this video that not only did the dad carry him, but he held his hands. We're gonna get this. We're gonna cross that line. Come on, if you've been struggling with comparison in any area, I wanna pray for you, but the power of breaking that off comes in just the confession, just saying, all right, God, I admit it. I gotta get in my lane again. So if that's you, put your hands in the air and I'm gonna pray for you. Come on, lots of people. My hand's in the air. God, right now, we break the back of comparison of looking at other people's call, destiny, Instagram, highlight reel, platform, position. God, we break that off. We confess that instead of asking you, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me this week? What do you have for me right now? What do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you want me to get more pure? Where do you want me to grow in my character? We've been too busy looking at other people. So God, we confess that right now. Holy Spirit, come in like the beautiful counselor and may we run our race. May we run our race and know that our Father is in the stands cheering, but he is also ready to get on the track and get us to where we need to go. God will not be mocked. If you're chasing after his plan for your life, you will get to that finish line. With or without a hamstring, you will get there. So God, we thank you for this. We thank you for today. We thank you that you love your children. Just like those security guards who kept coming up and saying, let's go finish the race. This is over. The devil might whisper it's over. Listen to me. The race is not over. 
I don't care if you've been on your knee for 20 years, 30 years, the race is not over. If you'll get up, your father will get on that track with you and he will get you past that finish line. He will get you where he wants you to be. In his strength, you will cross that finish line. So God, we invite you, bring your strength, Holy Spirit. You've equipped us. You call us to this place. You call us to this church. You call us to this city. You call us to a relationship with you because you have good plans and we're gonna see the finish line. And we will cross that finish line in a heavenly host, clapping and cheering, saying, well done. That was the thing God had for you and you made it. The time, what other people did, doesn't matter. What matters as we get there. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen, come on. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.